Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. And what a great way to start off the year. Yep, we're going to begin prayer and fasting tomorrow. I hope you join us. Check out the app, uh, as the video said, and uh, different helps that are on there. As we join together, and we are going to pray for the next 21 days for God to do something extraordinary in and through us, personally, corporately as a church, and I hope you take the time to focus on Jesus for these next 21 days, that you would maybe say no to some other things that you could say yes to so that you can say yes to Jesus and uh, concentrate on what He wants to speak to you and to us as a church through this next year. Wow, I can't believe. January 1, full house. We're Here we are together, and uh, it's good to see each and every one of you. Hey, before I go on, I want to recognize uh, a precious couple in our church that have been married for 50 years. Phil and Sandra Danello, would you please stand over here? Come on, would you give them a great big hand clap? What a blessing. We honor you and are thankful for you. We love you. Wow, that's an achievement, that's for sure, amen, we love you and are so thankful for you, happy 50 years together, and many, many more, as God provides those years ahead, blessing. You know, uh, I want to welcome those that are watching us online as well, we're going to receive communion at the end of the service today, because I want to talk about communion today, I thought it was just appropriate that we take this time to uh, talk and to look at Scripture On this first day of the year, we usually take communion the first Sunday of every month, so how appropriate that we do that today. But you know, I I want to declare over this church, over you, no matter where you're at, where you're listening from, a year of God's favor, a year of God's favor over you, and that you would declare that not only today, but through this next year, every single day, that you would declare it, no matter what you're going through, that you would live it. You would declare it, you would stand upon God's word, you would decree his word over your life more than any other word throughout this next year, amen? So I declare that over this church, I declare that over you personally, over your family, over your marriage, over your children, over your children's children, over your workplace, over your campuses, amen, over your health. Are you with me today in Jesus' name, right? Are you with me this morning that we're going to declare that together? Well, the Lord's Supper, as we look at Scripture today, is really a reminder that together before God, every believer is equally sinful and equally loved. That's the promise. And so Paul lays out a theology of communion, the Lord's table, the bread, and the cup. And he talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to go there in this familiar portion of Scripture. In verse 23... For he said, I received from the Lord what also I passed on to you, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So... Then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself 
In this way, let him eat the bread, drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick among you, and many have fallen asleep. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, welcome one another. There's three words that arise out of Paul's theology of communion that you should remember and we should be reminded of every time we come to the communion table. Three words summarizing what is happening in the communion moment that the Apostle Paul says when we pass the bread and the cup. Three words if we really believed, get this, if we really believed and applied them would cure so many of our social divisions. This is what he's addressing, would cure. They are number one, proclamation, number two, participation, number three, examination. Number one, remember, communion is proclamation. Can you say proclamation? Proclamation. In verse 26, Paul says, for as often as you eat this bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Normally, you think of me standing here as the proclaimer who, or anybody else that's preaching, but Paul says the Lord's Supper in and of itself is a proclamation. The bread and the cup are like visual aids, a sermon prop that Jesus gives us to help us reflect on the good news of the Word of God. What is it proclaiming? Well, first, the Apostle Paul says they proclaim that you and I need to be saved, right? Saved from sin, saved from ourselves. Also, Paul notes that on the night before Jesus died, Jesus held up the bread and said, this body which is broken for you is for the forgiveness of sins. So if salvation could have been obtained any other way, Jesus would not have had to die. If salvation could have been obtained through our good works, Jesus would not have had to die. If there were multiple ways to get to heaven, Jesus would not have had to go to the cross for us. You must be born again from above. You need to be saved, salvation, to be a follower of Christ. So they proclaim you need to be saved. Second, the bread and the cup proclaim that you can be saved. Jesus did not add any qualifiers to the word you when he said, this is my body which is broken for who? You. Which means if you are a you, then he's talking to you. Right? If you're you, he's talking to you. So he's saying sometimes people think, oh, not me. My sins are too flagrant. I'm too shameful. I've turned away from God so many times. Not true. This is my body which is broken for you. There's no qualifiers. Doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Jesus said, whoever will come and eat the bread of life freely. And I'm glad that he said, whosoever. Because if he had listed maybe certain kinds of sins, I would have wondered if my sin was included in the list. How about you? Right? In saying whosoever, he means anyone from anywhere, no matter what mistakes, sin, and shame that you bring. That's why we need to put our names in John 3.16. Right? Put your name in there and make it personal. Right? His death is sufficient for you. Amen to that? There is a place at this table for you. No matter where you are in your life, what you've done, no matter what kinds of failures or struggles you bring into this moment, you might be the biggest sinner in our city. You may be the biggest sinner in the state. There is a place for you at the table of the Lord.
Amen? We've saved you a seat. Jesus saved a seat at the table for you, and he invites every single one of us to sit down and come and eat with him. Third, we proclaim that suffering and death are not the end. That's good news. That's, that's great news because, yes, good people live with hardship. Good people go through struggles, right? Sometimes they are poor. This table proclaims death is not the end. Poverty is not the end. Jesus rose, and he will return one day soon. And the gospel says to the poor, you're not going to be poor forever. Jesus will return in triumph, and you and I will feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb. To the sick, it says, you will not be sick forever. You will suffer a little while, and the Son of Righteousness will arise, the Bible says, with healing in his wings. And I want to tell you something. After we receive communion today, by the time we get to the end of the service, the worship team is going to come, and they're going to sing. And as they're singing, I want our staff to come, and we're going to lay hands upon those that are sick in this room, in your body. Maybe you're going to stand in for somebody today that cannot be here that is sick in their body, they, whatever it may be. It could be a terminal illness. Maybe it's something that they're going through, and they continue to get sick, acute sickness, whatever it may be. I want to lay hands on people today in this room, and I want to believe for healing in Jesus' name, that, that we have enough faith in this room to move many mountains. Amen? The gospel says to the oppressed, you won't be oppressed forever. The righteous judge will return, and he's going to make everything right. To the lonely, to those that feel abandoned, it's, it says he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. I've gone to prepare a place for you, and I'm coming again to take you home with me forever. Fourth, the table of the Lord proclaims that this church is first and foremost a community of the forgiven. If the above is true, that we all need to be saved, and that all of us can be saved, and that poverty and suffering are not measures of our lives, just temporary states that God's assigned us to or that we're in to bring salvation into the world, soon to be overturned by his coming, that ought to create a profound equality around this table. Religious pride has no, no place around the table of the Lord. Paul even talks about where is their boasting. Paul says, we are first and foremost lost sinners who have been redeemed. For by grace we've been saved. By faith, it's not out of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, where no person can boast about it. It's only through the blood of Jesus that that is the only hope for the best of us and certain hope for the worst of us. The Lord's Supper was fashioned, we know, after the Passover in the Old Testament. In that meal on the Passover, the Jews reflected on the fact that they were all slaves until God delivered them. There were no classes of slaves, rich slaves, poor slaves, good-looking slaves, ugly slaves. No, just slaves who needed to be free. Classism has no place around the table of the Lord. In God's eyes, we are all poor, wretched, helpless, and blind because he saved us. This isn't the Titanic, folks. Like there's classes, you know. You're going to be here, you paid more money, and you better, you know, and you look so good. That's not the table of the Lord, Right? Racial division has no place around the table of the Lord. God created the ethnicities of the world as a ray of beauty. Uh, but in our most fundamental sense, we are all the same. We all have the same problem. We all have a sin problem. 
And we only have one hope that can get us out of this mess. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection power. That by itself destroys racism. The Lord's table is a sermon. It's a proclamation that destroys all these divisions. Number two, it's participation. Can you say that? Participation. Participation here means fellowship. He says literally what you're doing when you come to the table, Lord, you're mingling with. It's his presence is touching you by believing the word of God, by trusting in Christ and confessing him as Lord and Savior. You know, communion is not some kind of extra grace, blessing that goes beyond the righteousness of Christ imputed to you when you trusted him. When you trusted in Christ, you got the full righteousness of Jesus. So that is so important to know that. That's what you got. In the same way, the presence of God was given to you through faith. That's what happens in communion. His presence manifests itself in your life. That in it, his arms are even closer to you. If you quiet your heart enough, you can sense his presence, the presence of your heavenly father. And maybe you'll hear him whispering his promises in your ear, feeling his delight over you as he dances over you. You are his child. He will not forsake you. So this moment is not just proclamation, it's participation, but third, it's examination. Can you say that with me? Examination. Verse 28, he talks about examination. So you ask, what exactly does it mean? Because he says to eat unworthily. Well, it can't mean that we should only take communion when we feel worthy of his presence, because that would never be. None of us are worthy to take the bread and the cup. That's why we take the bread and the cup. None of us are worthy of Christ's presence. Jesus said that at our best, on our best day, when you're having the longest righteous streak you've ever had, God, I've gone 15 days without sinning. Thank you, Lord. He still calls us unprofitable. It's not demeaning. It's just who we are. Even though we're forgiven, we, we have more corruption in our hearts than we can possibly comprehend. So it doesn't mean only eat when you feel worthy. Well, notice the unworthily is written as an adverb, which is in the Greek. You say, what's the difference does that make? Unworthy as an adjective would describe you that would say you are always unworthy to participate. But Paul's focus is on something different. He's talking about how you approach the table. You can approach this table unworthily. What happens if you disregard the emblems? What happens? We disregard the lordship of Jesus Christ if we eat. Paul says, that's why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. They said, well, what does that mean? Well, there's no way to sugarcoat this. Paul means that many people have gotten sick and died for not taking this moment seriously. That's powerful. So not everyone who participates in communion unworthily dies. He's not saying that. But Paul says that sometimes that happens. And that tells you how sacred this moment is as we come and we receive communion together. The theologian D.A. Carson tells the story of a pastor friend who had a church of about 200 and sin was so rampant that he could not even discipline all the problems. And this pastor prayed for three months for God to change the church or move him out. 
The next year, he said he had 34 funerals. 20% of the church died in the space of a year. The year after that, he baptized 200. Wow. This is supposed to be a moment of incredible gospel clarity when we come to the table of the Lord. Where the church puts on a visible display of the unity of the body of Jesus Christ that he died to create for us. Where we declare our common hope in Jesus is more important to us than any secondary thing that divides us. You're going to hear us throughout this year because our theme for this year is one. One mission, one message, one God. And one of the, those, are, those are some of the things we're going to be praying into you, and you're going to hear us now for the next couple of weeks after this. We're going to be preaching through this and, and bringing us back to this. But one of these big things in, in, in this is that we would be a unified church in this year more than ever before. And that there should be no place for divisions in the body of Christ. No place for it. No place. You can't even come to this table and take that lightly. This communion is about unity of heart and mind. It's incredible gospel clarity. Incredible gospel clarity. We are on visible display to the world around us. It's supposed to be a time of togetherness where we feel the warmth of family. J.I. Packer, the late Canadian theologian, always said for that reason, whenever he was in church for communion, he would always sit close to someone even if he doesn't know them as a matter of principle because this is supposed to be a moment of family, of connection, not just you and God. It's you and God's other children. Do you see how the table of the Lord brings together all of these things, schisms, these things? No, no. He said the table of the Lord brings you together. And if you truly are a follower of Jesus, you're going to let petty matters go. You're going to start focusing on what really matters for this new year, for this church, for your home, for your children, for the places that God's going to take you this coming year. It's all about the table of the Lord, the table as we come. And there's a seat for everyone at the table. So today as we come and we turn our hearts through proclamation, participation, and examination, would you take out uh, the emblems here? Those of you that are at home, you prepare maybe some juice, crackers that you have there, some bread. And um, if you need uh, emblems and you didn't receive them, could you raise your hand? We'll give them to you. The ushers are prepared. Just raise your hand if you didn't receive communion. We're going to put those into your hands right now before we take them together and we prepare our hearts for this moment. Would you, for a moment, just, uh, would you just take this moment and just bow your heads as we examine this portion of examination? You recognize that Christ is your only hope of salvation. 
Are you fully surrendered to him in this moment? I don't mean you don't struggle with sin. We do all the time. But right now, are you living with some sin you know is wrong and you say, you know what, I'm ready to change it at this moment. If that's true, would you come and would you just take it and would you give that to the Lord and would you ask for forgiveness? Whatever it may be. Sin against a brother, a sister, Christ, a family member. And if you don't know Christ yet, it's in this moment that you can come to him because this is the reason for the table of the Lord. That you can come and you can confess your sins before him. And he is faithful and just to forgive you. And it's there where we get the gospel clarity into our lives. That we can be a new creature in a new year. You take this moment and just say, Lord, thank you for your body that was broken for me. For me. Your blood that was shed for me. You did it for me. And so, Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you for this holy, sacred moment that we have today. Lord, we take communion to be reminded of what you have done for us. This isn't a moment of condemnation. This is a moment of freedom, celebration. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that we can walk in your righteousness. Father, we give you the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. If you take back that first layer, if you'll take the bread out, this represents his body that is broken for you. Forgiveness, healing, God's presence. Let's receive it. He's told us to do it often so that we would not forget. We would remember. Let's peel back that second layer. The cup represents his blood, our, our unity that we have in him with one another, our future. Paul says in the light of all of this, the fact that the blood of Jesus is the only hope for the best of us and the best hope for the worst of us. Let's receive it together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We do this, Lord, in remembrance of what you have done for us. Thank you for the clarity that this table gives us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the freedom that we have in you because of what you have done for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the baggage of last year is gone and we are free. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.